So Matt, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. And I wondering if you could just start by sharing who you are and what your background is. Yeah, I'm uh, Matt Townsley. I'm a former teacher and administrator in uh, the Solon Community School District, a bedroom community near Iowa City, Iowa. Um, did that for 14 years. And for the past uh, going on four years now, I've been an assistant professor of educational leadership at the University of Northern Iowa. And just based upon my, my previous teaching administrator experience, where I was a classroom teacher that utilized standards-based grading practices. And then we made a transition from just a couple of us that were doing standards-based grading to everybody. Um, that was part of my work as a district office administrator in Solon. And so now, in addition to uh, teaching future Iowa school leaders like principals and superintendents, I also support schools um, across the country in their implementation of standards-based grading. Now, if memory serves, you, yeah, you were one of the first voices truly doing research related to standards-based grading. Yeah, there's just a, a few of us out there that are kind of dabbling in this. There's been some some just act, out, outstanding uh, voices out there in, in kind of the broader, like, greater grading uh, research. Um, but as schools have started to uh, you know, just consider, like, what do those, some of those grading practices look like at the classroom level? You know, standards-based grading is something that's really stood out. Um, if we really want the purpose of grades to be to communicate learning, that's where standards-based grading has its advantages, and that's why schools are doing it. And so um, as a result of that, um, actually, I was a participant in a research study once upon a time of uh, as a school, as, a, as an administrator of kind of the ups and downs of helping a school district go through this. And then, um, you know, as I transitioned later on into academia, I thought, well, it's kind of an, a personal uh, interest, passion area, I guess you'd say, of mine. And so... We've done things like uh, we've interviewed um, some uh, middle, I'm sorry, some high school teachers early on as kind of their transitioning to standards-based grading and done some research there. Uh, also um, surveyed a lot of principals and tried to find out what they think are the anticipated challenges and, and uh, awesomeness of going to standards-based grading. A fun one that we did recently was we interviewed some college students at the end of their freshman year. I'm sorry, the end of their their first semester freshman year. We surveyed, interviewed them to find out they were students that had self-disclosed that they um, utilized standards-based grading when they were a high school student. And we just tried to find out, right, like, did it ruin your life as a college student? Like those questions we often hear from high school folks. And, you know, as it turns out, it didn't. And uh, so that was a fun one. Oh, that's, that's good news that it didn't ruin their yeah, lives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that one, I did that. Uh, that study was published, I think, maybe in the past uh, year or so in uh, NASSP Bulletin with uh, Tom Gusky and Tom Buckmiller. Nice. So, yep. Now, uh, there's two big questions that I've been asking of everyone. Before we get into that, uh, I hear people saying standard-based grading and standard-based reporting. And I've heard more people advocating for standard-based reporting. Is that just a semantic thing, or is there a difference between the two? Yeah, I think it kind of depends who you talk to. I mean, there's been a number of books been written in that area. Um, I think if you look, read books by like Tammy Heflebauer and Bob Marzano, they, they make a distinct uh, definition difference between st even standards-based grading and standards-based, um, I'm sorry, standards-based grading and standards-referenced grading. Uh, and then uh, kind of the rest of the world seems to just kind of uh, put those two together and call them standards-based grading. Um, I think those that are talking a lot about standards-based grading are talking about maybe reforming the grade book itself. And I think perhaps some that talk about standards-based reporting are talking about maybe um, reforming the report card. And then, uh, of course, there's like the competency-based education idea out there, too, which is a more you know, uh, self-paced. Um, I kind of think of standards-based grading as maybe the gateway drug to 
competency-based <laughs> education. Um, but again, uh, there's more schools out there that are definitely thinking about and implementing standards-based grading, standards-based reporting um, when compared to competency-based education. Gotcha. Yeah. Competency is way down the road. Yes. Right? So you got it. In the in this kind of so bring back to the context of so the teachers will be listening to this conversation. What do you know now? It sounds like you've been doing this for more than a decade. What do you know now about SPG that you wish you knew at the beginning? Yeah, I think for me, originally I thought like like the intent was, hey, like like quantitatively, like we're doing this to somehow raise student achievement. And that's, of course, like we we all want to do that to a certain extent um, in education because of the federal mandates that are placed upon us. Um, but now as I look back, um, what I really now think, know, and believe is, is the, is the reason that schools are wanting to do this typically falls in maybe one or two categories. One is because they look at maybe the equity side of things, right? Like there's some equitable grading practices. Joe Feldman wrote a wonderful, wonderful book, Grading Grading for Equity, that really talks about the equitable grading practices. Um, For example, if we award points towards participation, you know, what does that say for some different people groups out there compared to other people groups? And that's just a, you know, something maybe why my schools are thinking about it differently. And then another thing is just, what I call to get better information about what students are learning, right? Um, and if we and I get uh, if we think about a grade book as typically reporting out, you know, like uh, how well a student did on a chapter three test or how well a student did in a worksheet. Well, what does that tell us about the student's strengths and weaknesses? If we change it up and and instead of reporting out the modality of learning, instead if we were if we make a grade book that's really based upon learning goals, then we have better information to uh, you know pat a student on the back and say, "Fantastic job! You understand whatever it is." And then also um, provide the necessary next steps for students who maybe don't yet get it. And to me, that's really the power of doing all this is it just gives us as educators, it gives us as students, it gives us as parents better information um, about learning. And so I think that's why many schools I see are trying to do this because they want to have a better uh, understanding of where their students are at. And of course, as a result of that, hypothetically, the test scores should raise all those other things that, that, you know, that, that show up in the newspaper type of thing. Yeah. So I think what I hear you saying is that in addition to at the beginning, you were thinking about raising test scores and achievement, yep. but now it's more about giving giving students clear feedback. It's about being able to give targeted support. Yes, you, you got it. You got it. Any regrets when you look back on your SPG journey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this this is very a, a very personal question. I'm glad you gave me a chance to think about this in a little bit ahead of time, uh, Jundi. A couple of things that I think that we did not do a fantastic job of in my own setting as a, as a teacher and administrator. Uh, one is, is we just, you know, we just talked about like why we're changing. We didn't do a very good job of describing why exactly it is um, that, uh, that we were changing our school. And so I think there was some confusion um, as to why we're doing it. Uh, and so definitely a school, an educator, um, you know, a team of teachers, just having a clear rationale, like why is it that we're trying to do it? Like we want to do a better job communicating learning. Or we want to provide more equitable opportunities for students. Like just being really upfront about why we're going to do it. Uh, the second thing is, uh, as the changes are made, um, what traditions, uh, what what specific things, maybe is the is the classroom or the building or the school system, what things are are valued already that can still continue to be valued? Okay. Uh, like, for example, like there's differing opinions on the honor roll, for example. I, don't, I mean, some people think the honor roll is fantastic. Others think it's not great. So if you're going to move to standards-based grading, um, is the honor roll going to stay there? Because if parents value the honor roll, how can we help them understand that standards-based grading will still help them get to the thing they want, which is ultimately the honor roll? Or if, it's not, if the honor roll is going away, what tradition or what um, celebration can we put in place 
to still help parents and students in our community understand that we are still celebrating students if ultimately that's what the honor roll represents. I was gonna say what you just did there is highlight a, a really interesting transition to the second question, which is how do we help parents and students understand? And what I just heard you say is that we have to make sure we're honoring the things that they value. Totally, totally. What they value is the honor roll, yeah, if I can just skip ahead to the second question real quick here, and, and since we're on that little train here, um, even bigger picture beyond like the honor roll, it's what are the things that are going to stay the same? We got so busy in our school system trying to tell parents and students what was going to change that we forgot to tell them what was going to stay the same. For example, if it's at a high school setting and, uh, and there's going to be uh, a grade, uh, you know, a letter grade determination from the standards and whatever whatever way that happens. Is the high school transcript going to stay exactly the same? If it is, let parents know. If the report card is going to look a little bit different, but a certain aspect of the report card is going to stay the same, it may be a middle school or elementary level, then let parents know, and here's exactly what's going to stay the same. You know, sometimes there's assumptions made, and that's not a good thing. Sometimes people get on the Google, right, and they just they think they know exactly what's going to happen, but it's, it's an absence of information that sometimes people seek it out. And so we have to let them know what is exactly is going to stay the same. Uh, and jumping back to your first question there, Jen, um, a couple other things that maybe uh, we struggled with. One is, is in the early phases of this, when we didn't necessarily have all of our ducks in a row yet, we had um, inconsistent implementation. We had teacher A over here doing it this way, teacher B over here doing it this way, teacher C over here doing it this way. And it was all seemed different in the eyes of parents who again, and, and point myself as the administrator, did a poor job of communicating with, but they saw the, the whole standards-based grading thing as not being better for their student because they couldn't understand it because it was different here and here and here. And so we had to figure out how to become more consistent um, so that parents could understand it. We also had to, believe it or not, electronic gradebooks seem to be here to stay, whether we like it or not. So we had to help our parents like understand and decode what the new electronic gradebook looked like because they were very used to, you know, the old gradebook based upon, you know, assignments and, and modality of learning. They're like, what, what's this thing, Amy? Where's the test? Where's the homework? Like, what's going on around here? And so we had to really be a specific, you know, in 2021, we could create like a screencast or something along those lines, right? And, and help them understand it. I think the final thing that maybe we, as I look back that we learned from this process, uh, from a teacher perspective, definitely, is that it takes time. It definitely takes time. I'll never forget when uh, a teacher approached me, and uh, he was one of our uh, experienced element, um, sorry, English language arts teachers, and he uh, actually used to teach next door to him when I was a teacher, but as an administrator then, he's like, hey, Matt, I I I'm buying into this thing. I totally understand. I get it. I like it. Here's my struggle, Matt. I feel like a brand new teacher again. I feel like I've got to redo all my assessments. I feel like I have to rethink how I even talk about homework. It's really supposed to be about practice now. And so he's like, I just need, I just need some reassurance that I'm going to be provided with the time and the support. And he was a, a strong voice for a lot of the right reasons in our district. And so we were actually doing some additional kind of changes and initiatives and things like that. And so we took an entire year. We backed off some of those other initiatives. And, and so then as a result of this teacher saying we need more time, we provide more targeted support to those teachers to start doing things like revamping their assessments so they're better aligned to standards. Thinking about what does meaningful reassessment look like in a standards-based grading setting. Thinking about strategies to help motivate students, encourage students, help them see the value in homework or practice if there's no point values attached to it. So we had to take a step back and support the teachers um, who were saying it's going to take time. You see, 
I was so excited about it as a teacher. I was like, yeah, I'll spend all summer like, you know, revising my assessments and all that. But that's not realistic, right? That's not realistic for every educator to be expected to do that. And I don't, I don't think that's fair, especially given everything we, we, we've continued to go through with COVID and we've gone through in the past. Like we're all worn out in different ways. And uh, so we need to, to provide time during the school day, time during professional development time to make these things happen. And I really appreciate how you raise that point of consistency. Consistency between teachers, consistency with parents, consistency with students. That's such a really kind of important sort of point. And as you were talking, one of the things that came to mind, and this is kind of a, I don't think it's a gotcha question, but I didn't give you a heads up on this one. Do you see SVG as a fad? And like, is there something else that's going to come along? Yeah, great question. So, you know, standards-based report cards have been around a long time. I mean, like 1980s, 1990s, I don't know. It's, it's been around a while. The difference back then is we didn't have the no child left behind influence common core state standards movement. And so those early report cards, as we look back, they were based upon learning goals and things. We just didn't have like the common core or next generation science standards back then. The new thing, if you will, is talking more about standards. If we have to teach them and we have to assess them on the state test, we might as well be assessing them and reporting them out in our grade books and report cards. That's the new thing for many, many educators. And I think also um, at the secondary level, middle school and high school, maybe thinking um, about a grade book looking different is, is also a newer thing. I don't see state standards going away. I mean, it seems like our, our standardized testing movement is here and, and we're gonna have state standards whether we like it or not. And so I think as long as we have state standards, that it only makes sense for educators to teach to the standards and to assess the standards and to report those standards uh, in their, and communicate them in their grade books and report cards. So I personally don't see it uh, going away. But as we did mention that competency-based education thing, I think that could be something we see, you know, in the years ahead where schools start to figure out, hey, my, oh my gosh, like, uh, what do we do with students when we enter into our grade level or school system that already understand this stuff that we're going to be teaching them in the first nine weeks of the school year? Like, does it make sense for us to be like, you know, having them twiddle their thumbs essentially? Or is there a way we can try to advance them based upon their demonstrated level of mastery? You know, in Iowa, we had like this uh, competency-based uh, statewide task force I was on a number of years ago. And we put a little money in different schools and things like that as pilots. And uh, there's some good stuff going on in Iowa and I know across the country as well, but I just don't know the extent to which that's going to happen across, you know, the typical school and all schools across the country. I'm hopeful it's sooner rather than later, Jen. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're, we're, as New Yorkers, uh, the school that we were talking about, uh, that will not be happening in New York City schools. I'm fairly confident. Competency-based education is way down the road for New York. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> but this is actually very been very, very helpful. Um, I appreciate the points that you raised about consistency, about giving teachers time, um, about making sure parents perhaps screencasting so they can see how things work in the grade book. And definitely that focus on what's not changing, I think is a very important point to stress. Any other words of wisdom for these middle school teachers making this transition? Yeah, yeah. So I think um, just to, to I, I like to think about how to simplify it down to like the, like to like just help anybody understand why this shift is a good idea. And again, this is something I wish we would have done uh, back in the day as I worked with our um, secondary folks. If there's a meeting like a PTO meeting or a meeting of parents or, or somebody, the, the, the quickest and easiest way to help them understand this is to print out a, a typical grade book. You know, don't put a name on it, obviously. Print out and give, it, give a copy to everybody. Say, all right, here's the grade book. What's the student rocking it? And where does the student need help? If you were a parent and you could provide help to this student, 
or you're a teacher, you can provide help to the student, what would it, what would it look like? And of course, well, this student needs to get better at their homework or turn in more of their, you know, whatever. That, that's the type of conversation that a typical grade book will initiate. Then put in everyone's hands a standards-based grade book where it shows that Johnny is rocking and rolling on Pythagorean's theorem, but needs more help with Sokotoa, right? And now it becomes just apparent, I believe, to everyone in the room, just exactly why we're making this change. It's the same detailed level of feedback that the best coaches give to their athletes, right? Volleyball coaches don't say you're an 85.36% volleyball player. I mean, yeah, there's a time and a place for percentages, by the way. There definitely is. But the best volleyball player says, hey, you know what? You're really good at uh, serving, but you need more help with your passing or, or your hitting or something along those lines. And so that's the level of feedback that we want to provide in our grade book. Um, it's very specific for the student. And I think that's just a great activity for anyone to wrap their minds around it. And I encourage anyone uh, listening, watching to, uh, to consider that. That is an incredibly useful analogy and many, many thanks for that and for your time. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Jen.